And let's uh, open our Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 6. Is it hot in here? All right, Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll begin in reading in verse 1. We're going to look at uh, many of these verses, but we're just going to read verses 1 through 4. We'll read these verses uh, responsively. And let's stand, please, for the reading of God's Word, Isaiah chapter 6, and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God, uh, the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. If you look back at verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And so this amazing vision was uh, given to Isaiah at a time when there was another very significant event took place in the history of Israel. Uh, in that year that King Uzziah died, uh, something else happened. And so I want to look at tonight in the year 2023, um, the hope we have, the aspirations we have, and the potential for the new year uh, opening up. And to think about uh, this vision and uh, something really great happened in uh, Isaiah's life. Uh, something sad happened in another situation. But uh, we have an opportunity that is before us. And uh, what will we make of it? How do we see it? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give us a vision, for without a vision, the people perish. Help us to think clearly, to see clearly. We pray that the fog would dissipate, the gray, the cloudiness. Help us to see black or white. Help us to see what is before us, uh, the great opportunity of life itself. Not just life, but the potential of uh, the will of God, miracles to take place, things to be received, uh, service to be done, souls to be saved, uh, the work of the ministry. We pray that we'd have a good outlook and uh, a potential and open to all the possibilities of what you have for us this new year. And we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. So we know with God, he is sovereign. That means all powerful. Number two, he's providential. He is so powerful, he's in control of our circumstances. So there's no accidents. There's no coincidences. And God is in control of everything. So timing is of the essence. The Bible doctrine of visitation comes into play here. It's very significant. So a Bible visitation 
is a divine appointment from God. And this is set by God has foreordained it according to his sovereign will. And so the clock is ticking. Time is passing. We are staying faithful by his grace. And we're waiting on the time to come for something to change. We're waiting on the time to come for something to happen. We're waiting on God's schedule, and when God's schedule comes to pass, God's will is going to come to pass. And so there's, it's a little bit different with everyday opportunities and then things that are cyclical in nature and uh, in other aspects. But in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, in the famous verse we quote all the time, For by grace you are saved through faith. Most people do not go to verse 10 where it says we are ordained unto good works. So we don't get saved by works. We get saved by grace through faith. But then once we accept Christ, God has appointments that are foreordained in a time frame where you will be in a certain place at a certain time to meet certain people to have a certain opportunity to see God do a work in your life. So we have these everyday appointments. Uh, you know, the voice of the Lord God came walking when? In the cool of the day. Uh, don't forget that. Uh, I've always, uh, my mom would say, uh, don't sleep your life away. Uh, rise and shine. I never forgot that. And she would pull the curtains open. And, and try to get, she, she should have thrown cold water on us, but uh, ice water. But uh, a lot of people say, you're wasting the best part of the day. Get out of bed, go to work. Not, not just that, but it's the time to walk with God. So we have cycles, we have seasons, there are moon phases. We're just coming out of the full moon. I, I think it's waning, not sure, yes. So... You have time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries. You have millennia, thousands of years, and God has a will. And, and we need to remember this because sometimes we get tired of waiting. Sometimes we put forth a good effort, but we want things to happen on our time frame. And it's kind of like the... Uh, the salesman asked that person one time, the consumer, well, when do you want this done? Yesterday. Yeah, it's, I want it now, and it's even too late. Should have already been done, but we, we all have time constraints in our limitations of humanity, so we cannot limit God to our limitations. Wait on the Lord. Serve Him. Be true to Him. God's going to do it in His time and in His way. So this is a very powerful text. Something miraculous took place. Isaiah the prophet, even though he was already called to be a prophet, he was already anointed by God to be the prophet. He was not fully prepared as yet. He would prophesy. There's 66 chapters to the book amazing prophecies that uh, just dealt with um, King Hezekiah and all through his earthly ministry, but also 
prophecies of the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Christ, all these things would be uh, given later on, but Isaiah was not ready yet. Why? Because it was not the right time. And so in this year, sad to say, when King Uzziah died, God gave him the vision. Now, I'll give you some other examples later on, but people who have a very good memory and they know dates, uh, my mother's family, the, she was a Hopkins, but her mother maiden name was a Winnet. The Winnets were from uh, Ireland. I think they were the Mc, McWinnets way back, but uh, they were very uh, picky about dates. They knew every birthday, every anniversary, they knew when something happened, and uh, a lot of us right now would say, oh, yeah, I remember what happened in 1998. Uh, there was a false prophecy that the rapture was going to take place. How many remember that? Big time. All the, uh, so, and then what happened in 2000? They said all the clocks were going to break and the computers were going to break. But you might look back on your life in a certain year, not just maybe a certain event like you got married that year or you had a child that year or something bad might have happened that year, um, but other significant event, events took place in that year. And so what happened for Isaiah? He's already called. He's already anointed. This was a time when God was going to make something big change in his life. So he was humbled by this vision that he saw. It had to be a fearful, fearful thing. So it says that when King Uzziah died in that year, he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So the train of his royal robe of uh, majesty and holiness and deity filled the whole temple. That's how amazing God is. And it says above it, above this throne, he saw the seraphims. And this word means to burn. They are ministers of the blood of Christ, and they apply the cleansing to the believer. It says they stood, each one had six wings. So with twain, that means two. He covered his face like this. Two covering his face. Uh, with twain, he covered his feet, so they were like this. And then with twain, he did fly. And it said, one cried unto another for the deity of the Godhead, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when they sounded this out, it was so powerful that it says the post of the door moved. They shook at the reverberation of the, the voice as it thundered out. And it says the whole house of God filled with smoke. What was the result of this vision for Isaiah? Then said I, verse 5, woe is me. He came to a realization and humbled himself of how great God is, how sinless and holy God is. And then he realized who he was in his present condition. His eyes were open and he said, woe is me for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips 
and I dwell in the midst of a unclean people with unclean lips. He said, why? For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, if we can see him better, we'll see ourselves better. If we can exalt him more, we will humble ourselves more. He must increase, John the Baptist said. I must decrease. We must bow ourselves before his majesty. So notice what happens. Once he sees this vision, he sees himself. He sees how great God is. He sees how sinful he is. Once he saw this and humbled himself, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, woe is me. You know, how many of us really understand that? Most of us are hot shots. We think we're something we're not. We're better than we are. And that's why God doesn't show up. That's why God doesn't move in our life like he wants to. But when he saw himself by seeing God, one of these seraphs um, goes and look what it says in verse 6. One flew, uh, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. So he goes to the, the altar, he gets the tongs, he takes this burning hot coal, puts it in his hand. He's a seraphim of Almighty God, and he touches. Look what it says. Um, he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. So the cherubim, they guard God with a flaming sword so that no one can get to God positionally without the shed blood of Christ and through faith in his finished work on Christ on Calvary. But the seraphim, they are ministers of cleansing, so, yes, praise the Lord, we're saved. Yes, praise the Lord, we have eternal security through the finished work of Christ on Calvary. But we need a regular cleansing in our practical walk with God by seeing how great He is. Amen. We'll say, woe is me. And so then what will happen? As we examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, we humble ourselves, we confess our sin, we get it under the blood of Christ. It is the seraphim that apply the blood of Christ and cleanse. This is speculation. It could be that the quetzalcoatl, I, I have trouble saying that, the, the fiery, feathery serpent of Central America and the Mayans and other people could have been a fallen seraphim that followed Lucifer. And you look at all their temples, he's carved on there. He required human sacrifice. Uh, they didn't believe the sun would come up unless they cut the beating heart out of a, of a, a sad sacrifice. Could have been. These were the agents, if you will, of cleansing, and whether we realize it or not, when you confess your sin and get it under the blood, yes, Christ is our advocate. He pleads our case before the Holy Father, but it is the seraphim that will actually uh, do the work of cleansing. So 
If we could see God as He is, we'll see ourselves as we are, and then God's going to prepare us to do a great work. And when did this happen? In the year King Uzziah died. So there was the humility, he there was the confession. He saw and realized who he was. Number two, there was the cleansing by the seraphim. Number three, the commission was given. So if you look, begin reading in verse 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. So God says, you're going to preach to a nation of people, the Jews, who will be blind and hard-hearted. They're not going to listen to a thing you preach. So Isaiah thinks, well, how long is this going to last? Look what he says, Lord, verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, till the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. And it says that only a tenth will come back and remain. Uh, God always reserves a remnant that will return to him who have not bowed the knee or kissed Baal, but this commission is given. You are going to preach, you're going to prophesy, and it doesn't matter the results. Now, we all want good results. We would love to see great results every time we teach the Bible or preach the Bible. Men would uh, gain knowledge, wisdom, conviction. They would be healed. Souls would be saved. Lives would be changed. But God said for Isaiah, nobody's going to listen to a thing you say. We've, we've all been there. Um, we've all experienced that, you know, going in one ear, out the other. And sometimes you're talking to somebody, you know, they're not there. They're there physically. They're not there mentally. And they're not paying attention. But the problem with Israel was they had a seared conscience and a hardened heart. God deafened their spiritual ears. He put spiritual cataracts over their eyes because they were not worthy of the deep truths of God. And then later on, Isaiah prophesied, I was found of them that sought me not. Uh, that God turned to the Gentiles in the New Testament age because Israel rejected their uh, Messiah. So this commission comes because of the cleansing. The cleansing comes because of the humility and the confession. But when did this happen? In a certain year. And it stuck in his mind. He remembered in that year this happened. Now, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but in 2 Kings 15... It tells us what uh, King uh, Uzziah did. He's called by another name there. In the first three verses, it tells the good things that he did. He did a lot of great things in his uh, ministry as a king. But then in the second part, it tells all the shortcomings and the sin. And actually, 
evil which he allowed in the land, wickedness which he allowed in the land, idolatry which he allowed in the land. And that's why uh, the main reason his life was cut short, because he started right, he finished wrong. You know the old saying, doesn't matter how you start, matters how you finish. And that is true. He finished good. I'm sorry. He, fin he started good. He finished bad. So, you know, we can all relate. Uh, I graduated in 1979. I only, know, I only remember a few dates. Uh, I, I think I was married in, in 1986. Yes. Uh, no, I know that. And, and I know my, sometimes I remember my birthday. Uh, and I was b born on D-Day, June 6th, on the Normandy invasion. I know a few dates. I don't measure, uh, try to mentally uh, uh, just lock them in my memory bank, usually. But there's certain years. I remember certain things happen. You know, and you can look back and say, oh, yeah, that was the year when there was that great flood. That was the year when there was a fire. That was the year when there was a horrible drought. How about 10 years of a horrible drought? How about 20 years of a horrible drought? But you, you remember, oh, yeah, in the year that our first child was born, this happened. Or in the year that we were married, this happened. Whatever it is, and Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This was a life-changing, miraculous event for him. When was COVID? 2000? I don't even remember. It was right there at the brink of two. Yeah, I remember that. I thought I was getting away with it. I didn't get it. I was feeling great. I heard about it. It was scary. You had all this news coming out. And then I remember Christmas night, I was driving to church members, giving them presents to some kids, and I, uh-oh, I felt this something's coming on. And, uh, but that was in that year. Um, all of us can remember significant dates of particular years. I remember when I went to college and pastor school and saw the power of God fall and Preachers get knocked out of their pew. I mean, just I'll, I'll never see it again. It'll never happen again. 6,000 people in the auditorium, packed and jammed. They had to bring in chairs in every aisle. The mezzanine was full. And, and I saw preachers get knocked out of their pews. Uh, and I remember what the sermon was. Brother Hiles preached that a lot of independent Baptists were using schools to pay the bills and they were letting worldly kids into the, uh, the church and the school to, uh, to uh, have a bad influence. Uh, it, it was unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I was in services where 200 men got called to preach in one service. It was absolute unbelievable, the power of God falling back there. There, there was, I never forgot it. One guy came forward, said, can I say something? He said, I have a lost relative. I'm going to drive to Michigan tonight. This was from Hammond, Indiana. Drove all the way to Michigan. It was in the wintertime. Uh, led him to Christ. Drove all the way back. I remember that year. I mean, all of us have significant things that we can remember at a particular time. So the question for us, this is 2023. What's going to happen this year? 
Are we even going to recognize what God does this year? Are we going to open our eyes by seeing God as He is, seeing ourselves as we truly are? We need the Lord. I, am, I have unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people with unclean lips. I need the Lord. I humble myself. What is God going to reveal to us this year? What is God going to do this year? I do not want to be the type of person that just goes through the motions. You do not want to be the, the type of person, well, it's just another year. I know it is, but things change in a cycle. God's will, the, time, the clock's ticking. God wants to do something great. I mean, we ought to want something big to happen, great to happen, not just another year, not just, no, you know, the old saying, another day another dollar. <clears throat> like I was saying today, I don't even want to go to the mailbox. All it is is uh, dead trees, junk mail, and bills. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm waiting. Somebody send me a check. That's what, they're always wanting your money. Every, you know, one day I came to a realization, man, I was lied to my whole life. All America is, is people want your money. Capitalism, everything in our life is somebody else wants your money. Every billboard, advertisement, every business you drive past. And uh, I just came to realization, I'm going to give them as little as I can. Um, but are we looking for things to change? Are we looking for a miracle this year? Something great, not average, something above and beyond and so this is all based on the biblical doctrine of visitation. In special times, God Almighty in His sovereign providence gives appointments, and it will not take place until the time. Now, a lot of us, uh, some work here in the medical field, and uh, I'm sure it's very frustrating, those who are schedulers, they have their date book, People want an appointment, and a lot of times they're very busy. It's hard to get an appointment. They have to put it off for a few days, and, uh, and then they'll just say, well, I don't feel like coming. Oh, and then they call, I would like to reschedule. Well, you can reschedule, but you, you, we don't have an opening for a, a month. You know, that's what I'd tell them. You mean I went out of my way to fit you in here, and now because you wanted to sleep later, you got a, you stumped your big toe or something, you you want me to postpone the? Well, yeah, you can do it, but let me look here. I'm on, oh, it's in uh, two months, and you know my wife's been told that before. You're not getting in uh, because of all that's going on with with the in the medical world, but a visitation cannot be avoided. It cannot be escaped, and we need to be ready when the time comes. We need to be ready. Now, most people, though, they're just going through life. They're not looking. They're not aware. They don't recognize what God is doing. And so they miss out on a visitation. They miss out on an appointment with God. How many times is something, maybe you were going to meet a person, they rescheduled their life, 
they wanted to come into your life and you didn't see the significance of it or whatever the situation and miss the appointment. The great opportunity could have been the great opportunity to be used of God to help that person in a number of different ways. The, the visitation is the root word is visit. And it means a divine appointment foreordained. And so there are friendly visitations. There are unfriendly visitations. And we need to be aware of this. So certain, let me give you just a few examples of this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God visits every soul with salvation. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son to be the propitiation for the sin of all the world, but especially those that believe. God visits everybody. That's why it says in Romans at the great white throne, they will try to make an excuse. And it says, every mouth will be stopped. Every mouth. You have no justified reason why you did not get saved. Christ died for you. There's a church on uh, many places in every city. You had the opportunity. You missed out on the divine appointment. How many people say, well, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next year. And, but see, you cannot miss your appointment. If, if God's inviting you, show up. Show up. So here's the fearful thing. God is only obligated to give one appointment. You see, we think, um, according to Arminianism, false doctrine, that men can be saved whenever they feel like it or whenever they want to. No, the Bible teaches no conviction, no conversion. No man can come unto me unless the Father draw him. And if God's working in your life, you have to recognize it, accept the appointment. What does it say in Genesis? When God was going to flood the world, he was so angry and start over with uh, Noah. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with men. And he only strove for how long? 120 years. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and only his family, eight souls, were saved by water. They got into the ark. God shut the door, but God did all the work, and they had 120 years to get saved. You know, when that water, I always try to imagine, when that water started rising, and they were trying to find some floating device, and they were banging on there, let me in, let my family in, let my children in. It was too late. God already gave them the appointment. They wanted to reschedule. God is not in the rescheduling business. Next point, the individual can only be saved during the time of visitation. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Will you come? It's just that simple. Here's your chance. Come. Will you come? Most people, you know what they say? I will not come. I will not. 
and they bow up and harden their heart and they get a stiff neck, they will not come, sad to say. So you have appointments of uh, salvation. You have appointments of judgment. You have appointments of uh, miracles and healing. And you have appointments of a work of God. You know, I always think about, and I know uh, the faithful are here again tonight. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but we use the term, I was providentially hindered. If that's true, I understand. Something happened providentially. You could not be there. What happened to Thomas that, you know, he, he skipped church on a Sunday night and Jesus showed up in his glorified body. And he appeared, walked through walls, however you want to term it. All the doors were shut. All the windows were shut. There were the disciples. And Jesus showed up in his glorified body. And who was not there? Thomas. And Thomas didn't believe because he didn't see it because the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. And then what became his uh, name? Doubting Thomas. Why? He didn't show up. He should have been there. Now, we don't know why he wasn't there. Uh, but if he'd have been there, he'd have believed. And he showed him the scars in his hands and feet. Uh, but he missed the appointment for some reason. Now, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3 that there is to everything there is a season. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. So our God is eternal. He is the I am. He is ever present in the moment, but yet he is eternal at the same time. All the way that way in eternity, all the way into the future into eternity. But Moses said, who do I say sent me when Pharaoh asked? He said, I am. You tell him, I am sent you. So he is eternal. He's not limited to time, but yet we are limited to time. So in some strange way, God is limited to time and God sets divine appointments and he wants us to be willing and waiting and watching when the time comes. You know, when Lazarus died and uh, Jesus was sent, notice that he was very sick on his deathbed. Jesus purposely waited two days, knowing that he would die as the plan of God. And then when he showed up, they were all of unbelief. And that famous verse, anybody can memorize that one, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why? Not for Lazarus. He was going to raise him from the dead. Jesus wept because of their unbelief. He was so brokenhearted that they didn't realize when God shows up, something great is going to happen. When the clock ticks, now, and this is what I want us to hope for and look for and pray for. Maybe your life hasn't been that good to this point. Maybe you've had a bad year. Maybe 2022 wasn't a good year. If you were to summarize that, it wasn't very good for me. Uh, a lot of bad things. Maybe 2021 wasn't that good for you. Maybe 2020. 
Maybe you've been waiting and holding on and longing for God to, to work a miracle in your life. How do we know that 2023 might be the year? It might be. Something so great could happen. The Bible tells that the things which shall be revealed in us are not even worthy to be compared. The glory of God compared to these things which we presently suffer. But how do we not know this is the year? Let's open up. Let's believe God. Let's have an awareness. What if this is the year? You've been praying and praying and praying. God can save anybody. God can do anything. God can provide any need. God can heal any sickness, illness, or disease, or of an accident, or a physical injury. God can change a heart. God can soften a heart. God can turn it. God can change their mind. God can break them down and humble them so that they will repent. This could be the year. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord lifted up. When he saw him, he said, woe is me. He was already a prophet, already anointed. He confessed what happened. He was cleansed. The seraphim took a tongue of the coal off the altar, put it in his hand, was not burnt. Miraculous creature of God touched his mouth, cleansed his lips, and then he was given the commission. Go preach. You can do it. They're not going to listen. They don't want to hear what you have to say. He said, well, how long do I have to do this? Till there's no more cities. <laughs> this is what you're called to do. Preach the word. That's what Paul told. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Preach. But then he was found to them that sought him not. God always has someone, a remnant, who is a true believer. So the eternal God, who's not limited to time, establishes time to fulfill a purpose. And so that purpose is fulfilled in a time. You know, we're almost going to be dismissed. Some of you are very happy about that. The clock's ticking. This time has passed. We will never live this again. We will never live 6 to 7 p.m. on uh, what is today, the 8th? Uh, January the 8th, 2020. This is over. This is all we get. It will never happen again. God had a purpose for this time. So God will judge men upon the fulfillment. There is a season. There is a time, a purpose. There's a divine appointment. God has a purpose for your life. If you would just accept it, receive Christ, do it, your whole life will change. If you understand, God gave me this time to fulfill this purpose. If we do not and we fail and try to reschedule, postpone, put it off, procrastinate, have misplaced values, do not see the opportunity. 
You know, how many people missed a great opportunity? It's just amazing. And this is why we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. We need to be spirit led. We need to have spiritual discernment. Is this the person I'm supposed to meet right now? What am I supposed to say when my path crossed with this person right now? Am I supposed to hand them a track right now? Is this something God has foreordained? Or is this something that's just happening in my life? So that means time is of the essence. Procrastination is a horrible sin and a missed opportunity. You know, I've always hated that time or that saying, what are you doing? Killing time. It just has always, we don't have much time to kill. Uh, it'll soon all be over now. Killing time. And then other people say, well, at least this will give me something to do to occupy my time. This will give me something to do to spend my life, to occupy myself. And, and really what we're saying is, this is going to distract me from the divine appointment. This is going to get me uh, looking the wrong place or lose my awareness so that I won't see what God wants to do. So this is the sin of uh, omission to neglect what God wants to do. What does the Bible say? Train up a child in the way he should go. So when he's old, he will not depart from it. The day's going to come when they're too old to train. Uh, watch out. They'll bow up and tell you what they think the world is. Uh, you, you only have so long to break their will, to train them up, uh, so that the Lord will prepare them for uh, what is ahead. So this life is a preparation for the life to come. Death is not the cessation of life. It's the door into eternity. And God gave us a chance. Um, I'm through, but think about what it was said of Judas. He was the only man that it would have been better than he would have never been born. Why? Because he was the betrayer of Christ for the love of money. He got possessed with the devil for 30 pieces of silver. But for everyone else, God made us a living soul. Do you know how miraculous that is? Mathematically, that your mother and father came together, you were conceived, and you were conceived. You became a living. It's an absolute miracle of who we are and how God made us. So he made us a living soul. But not only that, he died so we can have eternal life. Eternal life. Not just temporal life. Not just getting by. Eternal life. In the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord lifted up. I got totally humbled by the greatness of the vision. When I confessed, God cleansed me to prepare me for the ministry and gave me the commission. In the year 2023, wonder if the Lord tarries, we're still here. Hopefully we won't be. We'll get raptured by then. But if we're still here, 2024 rolls around. As we look back, what will we say in the year 2023? 
fill in the blank. Wouldn't it be great if we could testify something really, really great happened? Something really, really big spiritual happened in our life. Let's have a good outlook and a perspective to be positive and open up. What does God want to do? We have the chance. This is the time. There's a time to every purpose under heaven. All right, let's pray. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I ask that no one is uh, leaving. No one is...